You can't say that. Traitor. Traitor. She's still sleepy. Are you not well, honorable member? When are you paying the money? Hey, hey. Hong, Hong, Hong. You are not allowed to be emotional. Take your seat. Draw the Lela Pili. That's unparliamentary. Good day and welcome to another installment of Sunday Times Politics Weekly. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I hope you can join us if you have electricity and you're not, and your phones are not dead and your laptops are working. <laughs> Just, it's been a crazy week. Um, I'm glad I've got some colleagues in the office and they actually made it to the office with all the traffic and the robots out and everything today. Thank you so much for joining us. I've got Singisa Mvumvu on my right-hand side and I've got Simasa Matuwane on my left. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um... It's been a crazy week. As we know, ESCOM is running at the moment, stage four load shedding. Um, basically sending the country to darkness once again. We were promised that this would never happen again. But hey, look, we're back in the same situation we were a couple of years ago. Um, the reason why ESCOM has, has gone this far with load shedding is that um, six of the units went down on Monday. Uh, Madupi 5 and 6, Hrutle 1 and 2, Majuba 4 and Krill 5. Um, and it's coming from a whole bunch of constraints when it comes to coal, when it comes to production, generation, and just endless problems, I guess, um, coming in from ESCOM. Guys, how are you guys dealing with this? Just on a personal level. <laughs> we, I, I Personally, I'm not dealing. Um, on, on Sunday and on Monday, I was actually unaware that there was load shedding, right? Because I wasn't on social media at all. I was just in bed relaxing. Um, and then I got a call later, and uh, people were asking, hey, Mishana, do you have electricity there and stuff? And then this morning when I woke up, there was no electricity. Um, the water was cold. But it was a rude awakening this morning. Yeah, yeah you, my guy, me is clapping me big time this thing. Well, on Sunday, I was not affected as well. And when I thought, well, I might have escaped this one. Yesterday, it was complete disaster. I went to four ways. Uh, it took me 30 minutes going in, took me an hour getting out because of the traffic. It's, it's quite disastrous. It, things could have been worse. The power could have went out during the period the Chiefs and Orlando Pirates came on Saturday. Uh, the yeah. power should. The power should. No, my man, we're going to shut down this country. Eh? <laughs> yeah, but, but listen, going, going into it, um, I read an interview recently that was conducted by um, EE Publishers, and that's Chris Yellen. He's one of the foremost experts in energy in our country. And he had an interview with ESCOM's CFO, um, Khalid Kasim. And basically, there were some major issues that came out of ESCOM. Um, if we remember Sona last last week, Ramaphosa said that he's looking to sort of unbundle ESCOM into three different units. That's probably going to cost a lot. Um, also, ESCOM's generation performance is massively declining. Um, they want to increase tariffs. Um, and unless ESCOM can make more money from sales um, and get another 100 billion bailout from government, we may not have lights <laughs> um, going into the future. And that's a scary thought, especially for the ANC heading up to elections. I mean, um, one of the things the ANC always sort of rants and raves about is how we've done so much for the people. We've given you grants. Um, we've provided electricity to all your remote villages. Now nothing seems to be working, and it's a worrying concern. And I think that's sort of what, I don't know if you guys heard um, ZZ Codwell's statements recently about how it's all just sabotage, um, trying to sabotage the ANC, trying to sabotage the, the, the new plan, or Ramaphosa's new dawn. Um, well, it's not really a new dawn, because there's no lights. I don't see any dawn 
think? Yeah, well, my guy. <laughs> first of all, I like uh, the part where you are talking about the ANC connecting everyone to to electricity. You know, I, I think at times when we analyze the the ESCOM situation, we tend to uh, to be very superficial and not go deeper into issues. First of all, for instance. ESCOM, uh, in the previous regime, before this democratic dispensation, uh, catered for a very few uh, people in the country. It was mostly urban in terms of how it connected the people. Came in the ANC, excited, having promised people everything. But you see, I, I guess one of the mistakes that the ANC did in connecting everyone to the national grid, they forgot the most important part, which was to increase capacity. And and I think part of the problems that we're suffering today is because, as you are correctly putting it, the capacity of ESCOM is not enough to cater for everyone that is connected to the national grid. That is uh, 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 above everything else that has gone wrong administratively at ESCOM in terms of how it has been run. I mean, ESCOM, I, I can't even recall how many CEOs they've had just in the past 10 years, I mean, for, for instance. So even in terms of administrative issues, ESCOM is in deep crisis. I am not sure about the unbundling if the unbundling is actually tackling the problems that are real with ESCOM. I mean, if unbundling is going to increase capacity, I'm not sure about that. If the unbundling is going to sort out governance and administrative uh, shortcomings that ESCOM has, I'm not sure about that. I, I, I understand the issue of capacity and the increase in the number of households that are now provided with uh, electricity, but is it is it plausible to you that ESCOM would give electricity to let's say a million people um, as opposed to a hundred people that they used to give and have no plan at all is that even normal well but that's that seems to be what we we we, we, we got into hence i'm saying i don't think the nc uh, uh, like they, they did enough to make sure that these two are on par they got excited with this thing of provision connecting connecting people but they were of course they were doing something on on, on increasing capacity but it was not at the necessary pace that it was needed to meet the demand now you have a situation where the demand of power in the yeah. country is far higher than what escom can supply and once you have that in any business model once you have that you are you you're only setting up yourself for for failure here is my problem um with the escom debate i mean a lot of people will come out especially on social media and say listen this is what the cryptos have done to our country on a small level yes corruption played a massive part or one massive part it played its own part in where escom is today i mean if you saw um all the stories we saw through state capture and and the um, gupta leaks we saw how the Guptas had placed their own men in there who were there to do specific jobs, not really to run ESCOM, but to maybe line pockets somewhere else. And we saw a whole bunch of other stuff, um, ESCOM buying coal from the Guptas, um, inferior coal at higher prices. All of that played a small role. But for me, the thing is, ESCOM was in crisis long before that even. Before we even heard about the Guptas, ESCOM was in a crisis. Going back 10 years to 2007, it was in a crisis. That's true, the problem, eh? the problem for me is that ESCOM is a reactionary. Uh, the, the way it, it happens with ESCOM is they're reactionary. I mean, if something happens, then we're load shedding and we're trying to build up capacity again. Why haven't we sorted out these problems from the beginning? That's correct. Why um, are we even having load shedding and capacity issues in some in the middle of the day but, in summer? For me is, let's let's turn this debate a little bit away from politics. I mean, ESCOM is in a mess, and we all sort of understand how it got there, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> 
But why aren't we finding solutions? Our solution to ESCOM for me is not to unbundle into three different groups because now you've got to get more managers in for three different units. Mm-hmm. You've got to pay more salaries. Um, you're going to split your staff around. There's going to be problems. Why aren't we looking at alternative ways for energy? I mean, um, there were there were um, projects for the crew for 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 solar electricity for solar generation. Um, there's wind generation, which could happen down in Port Elizabeth, the windy city. I mean, there's so much more we could be doing, but why are we monopolizing on ESCOM? And I think that's the big question for government. Yeah, well, true. I mean, I, I completely agree with you. And it's very funny that the NC has always been talking about energy mix, energy mix, energy mix. But in terms of action, you can't see anything to that effect. They're all obsessed with ESCOM. But you see, the other big issues, uh, Amir, that I, I think are being sidestepped as far as ESCOM is concerned and, and some of the problems uh, there, the issue of coal, most of uh, ESCOM's uh, power is generated through coal. And we know that there's an issue at ESCOM of uh, certain companies that have been supplying coal to ESCOM for years in their so-called evergreen contracts, 50-year contracts, uh, 40-year contracts. And those people dictate the prices of coals to ESCOM. So ESCOM cannot do anything about it. No matter how financially strained it is, it depends on those people because those are the people that have contracts with uh, uh, ESCOM that are long-term, you know. So so those are some of the issues. I don't understand why the government of the day is not addressing issues like that, whereby, I mean, I had some people even suggesting that perhaps it would be a viable for, for, for the government to take over this, some of these coal mines so that it directly gets the coal itself as ESCOM from these mines instead of going to these mines and buying at inflated costs sometimes. We know business and how they deal with doing but we, business. But we know government and how government deals with state-owned things as well. Absolutely. No, as I'm saying, but even business, business will always maximize and milk. When it comes to government, I mean, that's why government buys a toilet rolls for 50 rand, something I can find for 10 rand, because people always feel like they have a chance to inflate their prices when it comes to government. But you see, those are some of the issues that, that need to be addressed. But also, again, as you were saying, uh, depending solely on, on, on coal-generated power, is it the solution anymore? No, definitely not, especially in this modern age whereby there are so many options, solar, wind-generated energy, and we have such capacity to do so. But the question is, there's no political will there's no administrative will. We are just obsessed with this uh, same old school thing that we've been doing over the years. Okay, well, since this is a politics podcast, let's talk about those politics and the political world. Um, Sora Mamboza comes around and says he's shocked. <laughs> and <laughs> lotion. How are you shocked? You are the president of an entire country. You're, did, um, did, did Praveen not say we are going to start having load shedding mid-January? Last year already. Because I remember something along those lines, and I was shocked by the president being shocked. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm also sure, shocked. I'm pretty sure he didn't mean stage four load shedding. Uh, mm. uh, but the thing is, are you, do you really have your hands on the reins when you're? Are you really shocked? Is what I'm asking. Or are you just sort of diverting attention away from the fact that you knew this and you're just trying to escape accountability? Mm. You, you guys don't think Tumamina sometimes forgets that he's president. <laughs> 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 no, I suspect it. 
No, but you see, it's it's it's, it's shocking that the president is shocked. I mean, only not only on the fact that he's the president. We we'll remember he was uh, heading uh, what what do they call that uh, thing? That government was, business. Yes, the government business, and also there was I think there was a special task team that task was team. that was set up to look into ESCOM in the previous administration, and he was heading that. So it's it's completely shocking for him to come out today, uh, saying that he's shocked, and I think it's a demonstration of. A weak leadership, so to speak. If you, as the number one citizen of the country, has uh, the guts to come out and say you don't know anything about uh, a situation that has literally plunged the country into complete chaos, and and you say you don't know, but maybe uh, that also raises questions. You know that there are many speculations about what may have caused uh, this uh, stage four load shedding, as you were saying earlier, on this crying sabotage, but sabotage by who? By who? You see, I and see. and and I would say. Slightly, I do believe uh, sabotage, but my struggle is by who? Because there are those that say uh, the previous regime uh, of Koko, uh, uh, Molefe, and uh, Jacob Zuma are the ones trying to sabotage the president. But I don't see that possible because if they do so, what do they stand to benefit? They're also they're also saying that the unions may behind this may be behind the sabotage because the unions threatened um, industrial action last week when Ramaphosa announced the um, the breaking up of ESCOM. Yes, um, is that more plausible? Well, also what is more plausible again is that uh, there's the issue of IPPs which are hugely uh, opposed, especially by unions and 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 even uh, part uh, like alliance partners like Kosatu uh, that are opposing such things. And the NC government seems determined to go with that. I mean, to this day, it still remains a secret what, what which are the companies that are benefiting. We know the speculation about uh, Patrice Mutsepe and those that are related to the president and a uh, minister of energy as well. And we know historically it has happened in other countries when you want to privatize as well, you go the sabotage route, you make sure that the what what you have now collapses so that you have a plausible reason to say this is the reason that we privatize. That is to me, what sounds more plausible, I mean, even unions, you would say, if, if but if unions do that, I, I, I also don't see what they stand to, well, in fact, they may do it to stop uh, what the unbundling and, and the privatization, since they believe that it's going to shed a lot of jobs. So it's highly possible, but I think a ridiculous reason, I'm sorry to say, it, but for me, the, the reason that the previous regime may be behind it, it's absolutely ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. Well, they say it's darkest before the dawn, so let's just hope that ESCOM sorts its problems but it's out. But during the new dawn. <laughs> yeah, that's where we're going. Now let's talk about that new dawn. Yeah. <laughs> let's go back last week. Um, President Ramaphosa um, had his, did his second State of the Nation address. Um, for me, it wasn't as charismatic as last year. Yeah. Um, I felt that when 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 he was on when he took, first took to the platform last year, he was charismatic. He knew, okay, this is what I need to do. He he was confident in himself, maybe because he didn't realize how much crap he was about to face <laughs> coming from the old regime. But there were some highlights to his speech. Um, let's talk. We we've spoken about the ESCOM division, but then he also um announced that the national the national prosecuting authority will set up a scorpion unit, and I put that. Um, in inverted commas, almost like an investigative team that we had with the Scorpions to investigate high-profile cases like state capture. Um, and Shesh, what do you guys think about that? Well, my opinion, first of all, I, I saw the excitement with regards to, to that announcement. I'm sorry, but I'm not so excited and I've got reasons uh, not to be excited. First of all, 
the question is where does that put uh, the hawks because hawks are the directorate for priority crimes as we speak are you trying to say uh, the hawks are dysfunctional and if they, they are dysfunctional why do you keep them secondly this directorate is placed within the npa npa which has collapsed over the years because of political interference and being politicized mm -hmm. itself like you know so how do you set up a directorate like that that you expect to uh, uh, operate independently without uh, prejudice and and, and 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 favor within an institution that in itself is a mess and that needs to be fixed because if that directorate is placed at npa that needs to be fixed i can tell you now there is absolutely no chance that this directorate is not gonna be affected or infected by the cancer that is rooted within the NPA. So on those reasons, on those basis, I don't believe this directorate will bring anything new or anything exciting that we need to be excited about in terms of speeding up these cases. For me, it would have been better if you say, if you say the hawks are completely dysfunctional, maybe get rid of them and create a statutory directorate much like the hawks or the previous copions as they were which were statutory they were not under the npa they were not under any institution they were standalone that was independent that is the kind of institution that i would trust and believe that may uh, actually uh, turn water into something very nice you can even call them the eagles if you want to you know but i hear what Umbu is saying i'm I, well, the president should have thought that far. I mean, he even has advisors. But I think he's um, kind of, more than anything, demonstrating his commitment ne? to uh, removing corrupt people from positions of power and holding them accountable. And I think although we don't have faith yet, but at least let us applaud him on his attempts and... Uh, no, I'm not applauding anything that I, <laughs> that I see is bound to fail. I can tell you now, comrades, that particular directorate is not going to go anywhere. We'll be here again next year talking about it. And I hate it that you will say, I told you. But you see, that's that's just the thing, Amil. As, as I said, the idea itself is not bad, but I think how they're executing it, I, I just don't see a directorate that is, is within NPA surviving. Also, how do you keep... That directorate independent from the highly compromised NPA as things are. Well, I know at NPA we have the new uh, NTPP, Shamila Patohi, who's got a huge task of telling. Also, are you not now straining uh, the lady by saying, in, I mean, part of her mandate is to clean up the NPA and make sure that it functions properly. Now, on top of that, you're adding something new that is completely has got a completely different mandate. mandate yeah. You know, so you get her all over the show. It will take a yes. To just fix the mess that NPA has been. Now, how does she focus on that and focus on the new directory? You know, the, the thing that sort of worries me is that if you look at the Hawks, for instance, and I'm not picking on the Hawks because they do do some good work. Yeah. Um, but let's look at the Freedom Dairy Farm, for instance. They had a year to investigate <laughs> it. And there was this massive uproar that, okay, they're, they're finally getting in there. They're, they're, they're busting down the Gupta's doors <laughs> and creating evidence. And then now the case is now being thrown out of court. All right. There's, there's no cases against Trudezana. He's gone free. Um, the Gupta's are nowhere to be seen. There's not enough evidence to carry on with the case. The thing is, for me, is that if you're going to, it's either you do one of two things. One is that you recapacitate the Hawks. Um, you build up their capacity, you bring in all the people who have left to go to private institutions, yeah. bring the good detectives back, put the money in there to do that sort of thing instead of creating a whole new unit. Absolutely. But if you are going to create a whole new unit, like like the Scorpions were at the time, 
you need to make sure that you can't be in the belief that you're going to be in power forever. Yeah. If you look at, let's look back, all the way back to the start of the Constitution. The Constitution has it so that it believes that we'll have, we would have had leaders like Mandela for the rest of South Africa's future. Yes. Yeah. So it didn't put in place certain things to not give people ultimate power and use it to their own effects. I don't yeah. think it sort of envisioned that South Africa would ever have a leader who would do something like that. Now, with Sora Maposa in the from what we can argue was Jacob Zuma's dark days, should he not be looking higher up than just the unit, but also looking to constitutional amendments for the presidential powers, um, implementing something like this? It's all well and good while he is still president, but what happens when somebody else comes in and decides, well, this doesn't work for me? Scrap or, this whole unit. or actually like now you guys work for me exactly <laughs> and also i mean for me I, I really i mean as you were saying also this thing of setting up new things and everywhere in terms of uh, just the uh, institutions that investigate uh, i mean we don't only have the hawks we have the siu as well mm-hmm. and you'd remember that the siu has been very vocal on how they've investigated and came up with strong evidence against individuals and they hand over these files to the NPA which NPA does nothing about it so I'm saying now what what will make a difference if the SIU has been there and they can account and report to say these are all the investigations that we've uh, conducted and we came up with these recommendations that certain people must be prosecuted but the NPA doesn't move you see what will make the NPA move uh, right now? For me, the crux of the matter is the NPA. We should leave those institutions, SIU, as they are, as you say. I agree with your suggestion of strengthening the Hawks, bringing back the good detectives, putting the money, because also uh, money issues in terms of our policing system is quite bad. Putting the money uh, where your mouth is, and then you just strengthen the NPA, you clean up the NPA, you strengthen those SIU and, and, and the Hawks, they do their job, they hand cases over, NPA prosecutes. So basically, what you're saying and what I agree with is, clean up the mess first and then worry about building on it later. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't build yeah. on top of a mess. Yeah, no, that's you true. are just exacerbating the mess. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Let's move on to something else that Ramaphosa said that was quite controversial. And he said the Department of Basic Education will provide learners with digital workbooks and tablet devices as the government plans to bring digital education into public schools over the next six years. Six years is a very short period. Yeah, it is. How on earth are you talking about tablets and um, digital workbooks when students don't have toilets? When, Absolutely. No, no, no. Live toilets. There is no basic infrastructure. Exactly. There is no network. There is no electricity. Not a matter of... of um, Load shedding. No, there is no electricity. It's non-existent. At all. Ne? There is not even a generator. There's ne? not even walls. There is not, there is not even <laughs> walls where you can put on a wiring for electricity. No, 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 no. You see? So I, I, I don't know how he's going to do it because the basic education department has been in court fighting the issue of norms and standards for school. They are refusing to commit to say these are the basics that should be in, in every school. Yet they are telling us in, in, in Parliament that, no, we'll give these kids tablets. It, it cannot be that in 2019, you still have pupils being taught under a tree somewhere else in a rural environment. Absolutely not. But you then see. you want to talk about tablets afterwards. Where are you going? This goes back to the same thing you're talking about. Fix the mess first, then build on it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the NC is very laughable, especially ahead of elections, the kind of uh, promises that they make. And by the way, just on a broader scale, I thought the manifesto for me was, well, the the sauna was more like an ANC manifesto full of all these promises like this one. And this one is, is hilarious in that, as you say, 
basic infrastructure in the Eastern Cape is complete chaos. And then again, for me, you know, how the, the Department of Education, how our government operates, for instance, uh, the issue of infrastructure used to be solely uh, the responsibility of public works, which is a good idea, but I don't know who came with this idea that uh, that thing must be taken away. Now school, uh, the Department of Education handles the budget of building schools and building all uh, sorts it's of the tenders and, and which cater is going to give which, which tender to who? Which actually backfires because I believe, for instance, uh, social services departments like health and education must focus on their business. Education must focus on, on teaching. teaching and learning. Health must pro- focus on providing basic public health care and leave issues of infrastructure to public works. Public works must be capacitated and given the necessary budget to do so. But as Zim is saying, it's about tenders, education and health. They also want this money to and do like if, if If you're limiting the MEC of education to just uh, the, the delivery of um, stationery and uh, food, that's it. Mm. What else do they have to bargain with? So you're also compromising them politically. What are their caters going to eat? Yeah, well, but this is not about the caters. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this, always, it's always about the caters okay. before the people. Unfortunately. And, and the, those are the things. I mean, uh, also when you introduce those tablets, uh, I, I, how can you learn with a tablet under a tree? Also, the crime rate in our country is pretty phenomenal, right? Now every school student is going to be carrying an expensive tablet in their backpack. What's going to happen when they're walking home from school? And it also doesn't solve the, the, the real complex problems that um, people still have to walk up to about 10Ks to get to school and back. A tablet doesn't solve that. Um, Guys, what is the obsession with digitalizing the, the classroom? Why is it important? Because they are not talking about we are going to bring computers to the school that are going to be in a locked room uh, with a, a teacher who is going to come and teach these kids uh, things like coding, robotics, and this and that. No, no, no. They are talking about the, the whole syllabus being loaded onto a tablet. Why is a tablet yeah. so important? It doesn't make sense. For, I don't understand uh, it. Some may argue that it's in preparation for the fourth industrial revolution, but it's not because you're not teaching anybody anything uh-uh. new. No. Um, no, it's not. These kids already have phones. They but know how to. That's what I'm saying. NC and excitement and promising things. They and telling people what they want to hear. It's. I mean, for for me, that's all I see uh, into this whole thing. A whole lot of schools still don't have uh, science laboratories. Yet you are obsessed with uh, tablets. Tablets is not gonna teach you uh, a practical in a science class of how. A reaction, a science reaction is done and all this in, uh, kind of In my whole schooling year, I've never had a lab. I always had to imagine chemistry in my head. You know what And I'm you saying. know what? It's still the case in a lot of of, of schools in, in, in rural, rural areas. areas. So... And, and for me, that is where the fourth industrial revolution starts when you get to uh, make these things as practical as possible instead of... Uh, Another challenge is they are going to have to workshop teachers <laughs> ne? to... To change the whole teaching method. Method. And the thing is with a whole lot of teachers are 50, 60, 40, and they are just about to retire. And they want a pen and a paper. That's how they know how to teach. And they are very good. Now you're going to confuse them and bring this thing that you need to touch with your with your fingers and they don't well, even see the need for that. I think it's a pie in the sky idea. Absolutely. I know, what it's... I also do think is that comments, what we need to start doing is start researching where to get cheap tablets from and when that tender comes out. Yeah! We need to be there. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. You know what? He says, Tuma Mina, we are here for you. <laughs> hey, hey. President Ramaphosa, we are here. Okay, last topic, guys. Um, the big announcement from Ramaphosa as well elections May 8th. It leaves us with about 80 days until elections. Let's leave the whole election debate because we're going to get to that. Guys, tune in. Um, as we run into elections, we're going to have blow by blow commentary for you guys as the weeks come around. Um, everyone's sort of been. Um, dedicated to a, a, a different uh, version. I know I'm dealing with Gauteng. Um, Zimasa, are you dealing with KZN at all? Yep. And Zigisa, what are you doing? The so most underdeveloped, yet the biggest voter of the ends. So we've all been deployed and we're going to bring you some really great coverage. Guys, how are you guys feeling personally ahead of elections? Though? Well, my guy, I feel it's going to be a bumper to bumper. It's going to be very busy. I mean, this, these elections are going to be quite interesting. There's a lot that has changed in our political scene over the years. I mean, EFF was born just before the 2014 elections, but now they've had a full term to comprehend, to comprehend with issues. And there's a, a new introductions like the PNF, highly radical to the left. There's a socialist party of NUMSA to the left. There's DA that is falling apart. There's <laughs> ANC that is switching off the lights. So you can just see <laughs> it's going to be strange. And you don't know what's happening with the tripartite. Alliance. You know, so yeah. it's, it's going to be quite interesting, my God. That's all I can say. Uh, this 80 days is going to feel like a year. Simosa, how are you feeling? Um, I'm, I'm excited. A part of me is excited, but a part of me is dreading it because um, I it's a bit emotional for me, especially when they do door-to-doors, right? And they get there in, the, in their uh, convoys and the expensive cars and the shoes. And you look at this shoe and you're like, this shoe can build 10 houses here. <laughs> You know, and you have to listen to all these uh, sad stories of how this child uh, lost the parents and then can't go to school. And then, you know, yeah, it's it's too much for me. It's too much. So that's the part that I don't like. So maybe that's what I'm going to try and avoid. Hey, guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. I hope you enjoyed listening to us. Um, we'll be back same time next week. And stay with us. We've got some great coverage coming for you towards elections. Mm-hmm.